Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the CAPEX podcast. Uh, wow. Uh, so we're sitting here in the Centre for Policy Studies office. I'm joined by my colleagues Callum Price, who's Director of Communications, and Tom Clockerty, who's our Head of Tax. Uh, and the Prime Minister has just resigned. Uh, and I think quite appropriately for Boris Johnson, the whole thing has played out like a Shakespearean tragedy. For a while, he was like Macbeth with Downing Street as his dunsinane, prowling around his castle, insisting he would fight on as his enemies closed around him his wife no doubt going mad in the background. And then, like Julius Caesar, he was stabbed by his own ministers who believed they were doing it for the good of the nation, et to Suella Braverman. Uh, but as the curtains come down on Boris Johnson's premiership, we're all left wondering what's the next act for the country? Um, uh, who's gonna be the next leader and what should their priorities be? But perhaps first, just a bit of a reflection on his premiership and the way that it has come to an end. Cal, do you wanna start us off? Yes, and I, I think it's probably come to an end how most people maybe expected it to in a in a in a blaze of glory <laughs> and drama or ignominy. <laughs> yes, well, either or. Um, but yeah, so Boris Johnson ascends, ascends to the leadership in, in twenty nineteen. Um, the man to save Brexit um, again in, in in drama. The twenty nineteen election goes as, as it did, and I think I think it, the, the thing basically got derailed immediately, didn't it, by the pandemic. Um, so I, when he appoints that new cabinet in August 2019, I think a lot of us free marketeers were maybe thinking this is there's there's, there's, there's some there's some names and there's some vision in there for real free marketeering, um, uh, government wins the election, beats Jeremy Corbyn, which is another big win for us free marketeers, uh, and then and then the pandemic hits and it all it all goes a bit pear shaped. Um, that was handled. Uh, well or not well, depending on your your point of view, the vaccine rollout was obviously very good, and um, and then and then following that, the, the sort of the free market vision that lots of us were hoping for didn't ever fully come into fruition. There were some good things there on tax, which I'm sure Tom will, will Tom will come on to, um, and also some some not so good things. Um, but now here we are, and we've we've ended as mentioned in in a blaze of drama. Um, the question is now what what happens next, um, and and what will the voters think of what's happened so far? Um, ultimately, the big questions still remain over policy, as they always do. Cost of living crisis, rising prices, inflation, international international problems with Ukraine and elsewhere. Um, and th- those things aren't going away anytime soon. So 
um, the new person will have to will have will, will be facing all these challenges as well. That's the point, isn't it, Tom? What people really care about is the cost of living that they, they can't afford to pay their bills, and this drama's a distraction. What, do, what are the public going to make of this? I think, to a certain extent, the public will be bemused by you know what they might see as Westminster Parlour games. Um, it's all very exciting for us seeing resignations drop one after the other. Um, perhaps if you just watch a six pm news bulletin and, and you find uh, the government the sort of the rug has been pulled out from underneath you in twenty four hours, um, you might just wonder what the heck is going on. Uh, I think you know when you when you talk about Boris Johnson and, and his legacy. Um, You've got to remember some of the big things that that happened on his watch. So he will be the Prime Minister that finally delivered Brexit um, years after the referendum. He will be a Prime Minister who won the Conservatives their biggest majority in 30 years. Um, A really extraordinary victory and and capturing a lot of new and different voters. Um, Really pulling together an entirely new voting coalition for the Conservative Party. And then, of course, being Prime Minister through the pandemic. And so I think that, you know, first of all, those, uh, those experiences should make us uh, sort of look beyond the drama of the last few weeks um, and, and think maybe history will look a little bit more fondly on Boris Johnson than perhaps his colleagues do right now. Um, at the same time, it can maybe give us a little bit of sympathy because, of course, you know, it's very easy for a government to get knocked off course when you have a two-year pandemic Um, And then you get hit by various economic winds from around the world. Some problems of your own making, some really inevitable that many other countries um, are facing as well. And so I think there's there's a mixed picture there. And in time, people will probably reflect on that. But, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this is, yes, there were proximate causes for Boris Johnson's downfall. And they are sort of party gate the recent uh, scandals, um, and also the perception that he hasn't been able to just be honest and get the bad news out of the way. Um, I think probably what the straws that broke the camel's back with his colleagues were being repeatedly given lines from Number 10 to go out and to defend in the media, uh, and then finding that they were they were sold a load of rubbish, actually, and, and the truth was not at all what they were out there uh, making fools of themselves, <laughs> trying to tell everybody. Um, so all of that you know, that that has happened. But ultimately, I don't think that's why Boris Johnson lost the, the, the confidence of his colleagues. I don't think why that's why the government has sort of collapsed in a few days. I think there's been a sense building for a long time that the government just didn't have a clear sense of direction, didn't have a strong grip on the issues facing the country. Um, and frankly, that they were wasting uh, an 80-seat majority. And as Cal said, you know, many of us sort of who believed in free markets and stuff um, were pretty happy when we saw that for the first time, effectively since the 80s, the Tories were going to have a chance to implement some of the big ideas that we want to see happen. Uh, And there was just really no sense that any of that was going to happen at all. Uh, And if things had carried on the way they were, the Conservative Party was probably just walking towards a, a sort of defeat Um, or at best a minority government in the next election, having spent five years achieving very little in sort of domestic economic policy terms. And fundamentally, I think that's what did for Boris Johnson. And that's the challenge that whoever succeeds him um, is going to have to live up to. The two things are related, aren't they? Because one of the big reasons why he was unable to really make progress on domestic policy is because he was constantly firefighting with these self-inflicted crises. 
Um, but I think what you've also touched on there is that there was a kind of a lack of a vision. So I guess levelling up was Boris Johnson's sort of uh, raison d'etre, if you will, after the election. But nobody seems to have been able to pin down what it actually means. Do you think a successor will have a better chance? I think a successor will have to have a better chance um, if they're to have any chance of winning the next election. The, um, the successor will have, will have a sort of range of challenges, but they can basically be split into to short-term and, and long-term. And the short-term challenge is to try and convince the voters that they are better off in 2024, whatever, the, whatever time the election comes, than they were in 2019. And levelling up is going to have to be key, key to that. And let's be, let's be frank, levelling up is a, is a necessary and important goal. We need to boost growth around the country um, where, it hasn't, where it hasn't been as fast as it has been in London and the South, South East. So it is, it is an important thing regardless of who is, if who is in power. And I think who, whoever is in power will, will take it up. However, the question, the question on detail is how will, how will they do it and, and will they be able to do it in time before the next election? Um, because the new Tory coalition looks like it's largely based outside London and the South East. So it's about making those tangible progresses uh, um, in, in local communities, on the high streets and things like that, but also then the long-term challenges come in about how we actually boost growth in the long-term on the whole as well as around, around the country. Tom, that's going to be difficult, isn't it, what Cal said, to, to make voters feel like they're better off, when in fact, frankly, they're not. <laughs> It's going to be extremely difficult, partly because of uh, well, you know, inflation, the cost of living pressures. Uh, we haven't had significant real wage increases for a long time. OK, maybe people will start asking for more pay and in some cases they'll get it. Um, but it's going to be hard for people really to look at their lives in 2024 and think, I'm better off now than I was five years ago when, when I gave these guys a massive majority. Um, you know, not least because the economic news really doesn't look very good. Um, we may be heading into a recession. We might be in one already. Um, you can sort of, you define these things retrospectively. Um, so I'm not quite sure how bad it is at the moment, but it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and so in the next probably two years, right, because they'll, they'll want to do an election uh, in the spring of 2024, uh, there's an awful lot to deal with. There's still going to be a lot of firefighting. Um, and two years is not very long even to pass legislation, let alone for the things you do to really start demonstrating clear benefits to people. Uh, so, so it is a huge challenge. But I think, you know, Cal's absolutely right to say levelling up, um, however you define it, and, and, and whoever follows Boris might define it slightly differently and approach it in a different way. But there is, I think, no route to a Conservative majority that doesn't go through those red wall seats in the Midlands and the North. Uh, it's possible that Conservatives in opposition would revert to a, a Cameron strategy, something more metropolitan, more liberal, more southern-based. Uh, but right now, that's not going to fly, partly because you've got all of these 2019 MPs in Parliament who want to keep their seats. And so I think both political practicalities and you know, the makeup of the Parliamentary Party will dictate a focus on levelling up on the Midlands and the North. And, you know, maybe... This is not what I want, but being realistic, that might put some sort of boundaries as to how free market we can expect the mm. next Tory regime to be. Uh, well, you say that, but I mean, surely tax cuts was the main thing we want to see, right? All of us here. It benefits everyone. People having more money in their pockets is just as good in the red wall as it is in the south. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there will be tax cuts. Uh, this is a, a pretty obvious example of the way actually Boris had lost control of his own government, uh, because he was clearly at odds with his chancellor on the issue of tax and spend. Uh, and you, you can come down on either side of that debate. But it's pretty clear that Boris did not want the tax increases that the chancellor had implemented. Even more clear that the Conservative Party, more broadly, from the MPs down to the activists and the ordinary voters, uh, would like their tax bills to be lower as well. And so uh, as much as I like many of the things that Rishi Sunak did, that sort of hair shirt approach um, to fiscal policy uh, seemed wrong for the times and, and, and you know, has ended up really causing quite significant problems. So tax cuts, yes, but it, it won't be easy. It's, it, it's quite easy from the outside to promise all sorts of tax cuts. Um, I do that myself all the time. <laughs> when you're in the Treasury and you have a massive uh, sort of institutional leviathan who is completely against you cutting taxes, uh, especially if it means increasing the deficit, which short term with the bad economic news rolling in, it probably would. Um, you know, I think we can expect some progress. I definitely think that um, either the the current, possibly temporary chancellor or his successor uh, will be more of a tax-cutting Tory, will have to be more of a tax-cutting Tory um, than Rishi Sunak was. Uh, but again, there are limits, I think, as to how far that's likely to go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Cal, any thoughts on what the next new next whoever chancellor will do well it's interesting and tom i'll be interested in, in your thoughts on this and on which tax not not necessarily asking you which taxes we need to cut because that's that's a bigger question that we don't necessarily have time for but it seems to me that there's we there's sort of there's business taxes and personal taxes and there's the taxes that will boost growth and see us be all better off in the longer term um, and then there are the taxes that will help win an election um in the short term so if we're cutting Will will the new chancellor be tempted to to take some points off off VAT, for example, which isn't necessarily the best idea in the long term in terms of raising money, but will help will help people people's pockets and people's spending power, um, or will they focus on cutting those those or 
smoothing that incoming cliff edge that we have where corporation tax goes up and mm. investment allowances um, disappear, which may not be as politically popular, may not be felt in the voters' pockets as quickly, but in the long term we'll have that, we'll, um, we'll have that sort of benefit on growth and, and jobs and everything else that comes with it. So I think it's there, there will have to be a, a choice or a combination of the two that does enough to win an election, but also hopefully does enough to mm. um, boost growth. Long-term. I mean, my guess for what it's worth is that all of the leadership candidates will have to sort of state a position on the corporation tax increase, that most of them will say they would cancel it or at least, you know, minimise it. Some will probably say, I'm going to cut corporation tax even further. And part of that will be genuine belief that lower business taxes lead to more investment and more growth and so on. Part of it, I think, will be um, an opportunity to demonstrate this kind of free market or Thatcherite um, bona fides on their part, that they are that, that they're a break from the previous regime, that there would be that difference of approach that people seem to be asking for. Um, but beyond that, to me, with an election a couple of years away, I think the only show in town really is income tax. Um, if they're looking to cut taxes, reform taxes, that's where the sensible focus would be. I think VAT, for example, and I know there there have been indications that Nadim Zahawi has already sort of thought about maybe a VAT cut. Um, I think there's a danger in an inflationary environment that actually that just get, gets lost in the noise. People would benefit, but they wouldn't necessarily realise they were benefiting, and they wouldn't they wouldn't thank the government for it. I think you've seen that with the fuel duty cut, for example. Whereas if you if you cut income tax or you raise thresholds, for example, um, people will see the deposit in their current account every payday, and they'll see that it is larger than it was before. Um, and I think that's that's helpful. Obviously, I think that that's good economics as well to leave mm-hmm. more money in people's pockets, uh, tax them less, and so on. But I think that's good politics as well. And I suspect that's where the action is going to be. So do you think for sort of free marketers, for sort of, you know, here at the Centre for Policy Studies, we're the heirs to Margaret Thatcher, should we actually be welcoming this change in the regime? It's too early to say at this point, isn't it? Mm. It, depends. it depends who takes the reins. Um, I, think, I, think we can, I think we can be optimistic and there's reason, there's reason for optimism. Um, but it, it's at the moment, the Prime Minister's literally just resigned uh let's let's see let's see where the dust settles before we start um getting too excited i think we've we've been excited before and let down so uh... yes naturally i'm one of life's optimists so uh yes i i think i think things are going to get better but it's it's going to be a hard road for sure i hope so well let's have a, a think about the opposition we've been talking about an upcoming general election so you know people will be eyeing up labor and wondering if they're a viable alternative and on that front, Keir Starmer has had a, a apparently sort of Damascene conversion to Brexit. He says they're not going to rejoin the single market or reinstate free movement of people. Um, interesting that the country now seems to have moved on from Brexit. I think his, uh, I think that's a reflection of, of that. Um, so, what we, do we think will be the real dividing issues at the next election, and does Labour have what it takes? The cost of living is, is going to be huge in that election. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter um, when that election is or what if we're still in this inflation crisis by then. But the cost of living will, will be top, if not top, top three, if not top of, of the voters' priorities, I'm sure. Um, so, but it, we, it, it remains to be seen what Labour's offering is on that. Um, they have, Keir Starmer and his team have done a good job of disinfecting the Labour Party from the, from the previous, previous ownership. 
um, and are yet to really take that next step forward into his 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 our version of events. His how his how we think we should be doing it. Interestingly, actually, the fact that they've landed on um, on that this position on Europe is is actually the, probably the closest they've come to Corbynite um, mm. Corbynite <laughs> policy. Um, so yeah, it remains to be seen. I think th- they will have an offering, whether it's just whether it's largely just about spending money. I'm sure I'm sure that'll be a big chunk of it. Um, but at the moment, maybe maybe they will maybe they'll take the next couple of months of the summer to to fill the vacuum that there is mm. in the top of the Conservative Party um, and try and take the stage a little bit. But so far, as our director has pointed out, uh, it's been politics has been about Tory or anti-Tory. Mm. Um, whether that looked, whether that was a Boris thing, whether that's just because of the reigning government thing, we don't know. But it, it's going to take some something that we haven't yet seen from Keir Starmer and his team um, to to pull the agenda in, in their way. They basically need to come up with some policies. Mm. And I, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I think they always say that uh, you know oppositions don't win elections; governments lose them. Mm. And there were, there were probably exceptions to that, like Tony Blair in nineteen ninety seven. Hard not to call that a victory, but I think post Blair, the Labour Party has seemed to be kind of addicted to losing. Um, not that they want to lose, but almost that they they see some kind of sense of honour in it. Any of those, the classic, uh, you know, Corbyn thing in two thousand and seventeen, um, claiming that they won uh, or they won the arguments, even though you know, they weren't forming a government. And I think you know they've moved beyond that. I think the task of an opposition in in raw political terms is to just present a, a friendly, competent-looking alternative. Um, and at least until you get close to the election date, um, give the government enough rope to hang itself with. And I think Keir Starmer is probably handling that aspect of his brief very well. You know, Clearly, he's not a particularly exciting, charismatic figure. Um, I don't think you're going to get mass rallies shouting Keir Starmer's name. <laughs> Uh, but maybe you don't need to in the, the sort of circumstances that we're looking at. And frankly, with cost of living being such a big issue, it's kind of an easier one for Labour to deal with because they can offer you know, obvious, simplistic answers, which we might all think or know are actually wrong and counterproductive. Um, but it, it, it tends, unfortunately, to cut through when you talk about, well, prices are too high. Well, we'll control prices. We'll cap them. Um, things are too expensive for you. OK, we'll pay for them on your behalf. Long run, these things don't work at all, but it's quite an easy sell. Uh, and I think that for a, a broadly left-wing party, it's much easier to make those arguments with a straight face. Unfortunately, conservatives sometimes make them too. Uh, but deep down, I think they know that they're wrong. <laughs> it does feel like fighting on their territory, though. It, yes, them. yes, it does. Yeah, well, in fact, government's even sort of stolen some of their ideas, like for a windfall tax, for example. Mm. Um, OK, well, let's have just like a quick think about what Boris Johnson's legacy will be. Do, did he get the big calls right? Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a mixed bag. I, you know, Brexit needed to get done, and he got it done. It may not have taken the precise final form that that I would have preferred, but then it was very difficult to agree on that. Um, and it is it is when you think about it a huge achievement. We were in the EU for a very long time. Um, nobody, I mean, I've been sort of around the fringes of the Eurosceptic movement for uh, twenty years or something. 
nobody really thought it was going to happen until it looked like it was going to happen. Uh, and so that is a big achievement. And I think when you look at COVID now, OK, I think at times we didn't get the balance quite right. Um, but overall, I think Britain did fairly well compared with a lot of other countries. Um, and certainly, I think Boris displayed, you know, real and significant leadership through that period um, when it was sorely needed. Uh, and, and so I think, yeah, people will probably look back and say, this guy won a massive election against a very dangerous Labour candidate. He delivered Brexit um, and he saw us through COVID. And those are huge things. Uh, but then ultimately, uh, he couldn't exercise an iron grip over his own government once those sort of crises had moved out of the way. And that combined with a series of a series of scandals and, and just perhaps a deeply ingrained uh, inability to front up to those scandals and take responsibility. Uh, that's what's ultimately, ultimately put paid to him. Yeah, I don't think we, I don't think we should underplay, by the way, Beating Corbyn is one of one yeah, of his one of his biggest, best parts of his legacy because that is what we were facing and that election was 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 genuinely quite scary mm. um, and the fact that he sort of put pay to that that whole wing of the Labour Party um, and when one fell swoop is is quite a beautiful yeah. thing really um, and then of course Ukraine he's done it's it, part of his legacy that he should be very proud of he's clearly um, it's one thing to be to be on the right side of that argument, and it, and then it's another to show real personal leadership in um interna- on the international stage with Zelensky, mm. but also pushing pushing um European friends and allies to 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 do more and doing the most of people. People say the UK is a bit of a laughing stock at, at certain points. I'm sure it is, but in this in this, I think he's he's done he's done Ukraine, the UK and Ukraine very proud. Yeah, absolutely. Brexit got done, now Boris is done. (laughs) Join us again next week for the CapEx podcast.